Welcome to another episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. This is episode 13. My name is Matt. Thank you for joining. Our guest today in the Smoke Shed studio is a guy who has a very impressive career, highlighted by nine years of leading bottleneck management expansion and three years of leading Stone Brewing's Midwest sales and distribution. With Bottleneck, he was head of operations. He grew the company from a one tavern and one million in revenue to seven restaurants grossing over 35 million. His passion for craft beer brought him to Stone Brewing in 2015, where he successfully led Stone's Midwest sales and distribution to double-digit growth uh, from 2015 to 2018, now at Alter Brewing. His focus is directly leading towards the organization's sales, distribution, marketing, and hospitality divisions. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of Alter Brewing, Ken (laughs) Henricks. Matt, how are you? Thanks for stopping by. You bet. I got I to give my marketing guy credit. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> I don't remember half of that. <laughs> so let's get to the uh, today's bottle and stick. Today's stick is the Romeo and Julieta Reserve Maduro Corona Vitola. Uh, this is a 5 by 44 uh, The Romeo and Julieta Maduro received a well-deserved 90 rating. This is a thin and dark cigar with rich flavors that are toasty and hints of coffee bean and leather. Connecticut Broadleaf Wrapper, Nicaraguan Binder, blend of Nicaraguan Peruvian and Dominican Long Fillers. Uh, that makes a combination of, of medium bodied, medium strength. Uh, I, I personally love this one. Uh, I've had it before. It's my father-in-law's one of his favorites. Um, how, what do you think of it so far? I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Really enjoying it. I'm not... Uh by any means an aficionado, but uh, when you asked what I was looking for, man, you hit the nail on the head. This is, this is outstanding. Yeah, full of flavor, definitely medium, nothing too overpowering, uh, just just right. Yeah. You know, right in the middle. So when we, when we get to uh, the beer side of this conversation, uh, there's going to be some toffee notes that are going to blend really, with, really, really well with this. Awesome. Um, so let's get started uh, from the start. Can you tell me, uh, Alter, where it, start, it started in 2015, is that correct? Yeah, yeah um, in December 2015. Can you give a quick history on, on how that started? How did Alter become Alter? Yeah, so three guys, uh, Pete Kasanovich, David Yab, Mark Hedrick, all had a relationship uh, at the Board of Trade. In different roles, but you know they they co-mingled at the board. And Mark was a incredibly accomplished home brewer, award-winning home brewer. And uh, you know Dave and Pete loved the idea of starting a craft brewery. And Mark wrote a business plan, and the three of them came together and said, "Let's do it." And the original name of the brewery was going to be Mad Ape. And actually, we're LLC or incorporated as, as Mad Ape LLC. And as they started to court uh, investors, one of the investors said, that's the worst frickin' name I've ever heard. You can't call this brewery Mad Ape. You gotta change it. So that same conversation, uh, Dave Yobb said, well, you know, we don't have another name. What do you think we should do? And the investor said, well, why are you guys doing this? And he said, you know, we're just trying to kind of alter our career path and do what we want to do. And the Bang. investor said, stop. There's your name, yep. Alter Brewing. That's, wow. That's how it came to be. Very cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of Alter Beer, 
Yeah. Let's get to it. What did you oh. bring for us today? So I brought our seasonal fest beer, uh, which came out, uh, released about three weeks ago. Unfortunately, in this market, you got to release your Oktoberfest themed beer super early, which I don't love, but... I don't mind it. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I, we, we look forward to this time of year. Uh, we go around, we go to our Bennies, we go wherever, and we just pick up random Oktoberfests, and we try them from different breweries. Yep. Uh, big fan of the Oktoberfest season. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's crazy. Once, if, if you have an Oktoberfest-style beer on the shelf come November 1st, doesn't sell you know so yeah. it's just every brewery just tries to get ahead of the game a little bit get it out there um, so yeah you, you see these styles now hitting the market in july but uh like you said there's, there's an upside to that yeah i mean for the Oktoberfest fans out there we don't mind should we dive into one yeah absolutely thank you yep yeah so fest beer uh, one of our brewers favorite Styles. He's, he's big on German styles. Um, and, you know, ales pay the bills for a lot of breweries, um, which is why I have a ton of respect for breweries that are only doing lagers. But most brewers' passions lie with, you know, these these traditional lager-style beers, particularly from Germany. I didn't have any altered cups. So, these work. Okay. These work. We're not going to say who's on the cup. Well, I don't have my glasses on, so I, uh, I can't read it anyway. <laughs> good color to it. Great color. Wow. Yeah, really nice, deep golden. Get that light shining through you, a little copper in that. So that's really predominantly Vienna malt. Vienna malt's going to give you, you know, almost like a cracker type of flavor to it. Hmm. Yeah, cracker to a little bit biscuit, and then as this warms up, I mentioned earlier the toffee is really going to come out, um, which is really really going to pair nicely with this cigar. Uh, and then on the hop side, it's all uh, Hallertau hops, which is a, another German hop. Okay, and that's going to give you some really nice spice and, and earthy notes as well. So from a, a cigar pairing perspective, uh, I'm glad we're seasonally with Fest beer because this thing really doing a nice job. Pairs well with the uh, with the Maduro cigar that we're having yeah. right now. Yeah, big fan of that. So I, I noticed that all of you are, you have two locations right now. You have the St. Charles location, mm -hmm. which that's the one you could probably find me at most of the time, mm -hmm. uh, especially sitting outside in that little patio area and you have like the, the double-decker uh, container with the bar in the bottom and little outdoor seating on top. And then you have your Downers Grove, which is the original location, the first location, are, and I've noticed both of them are breweries, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm assuming the canning and the, the distribution side is mostly Downers Grove. Yeah, yeah. Okay. so our, our main production facility is in Downers. Uh, that's what opened in December of 15. Um, you know, when this business plan was written, you know, by Mark and, and Dave and, and Pete, you know, that was 2013, 2012, you know, and the, the landscape of craft beer wasn't nearly... Uh, as vast as it is today, yeah. And, you know, today there's 300 breweries in the state of Illinois. In 2012, you know, there might have been 50 tops. You know, so the business plan was written around growth through distribution, growth through retail, and you know, the landscape just got so competitive so quickly that uh, it's really difficult to grow through distribution. 
Um, so what you're seeing us do, what you're seeing a lot of other breweries do, is you know try to develop a direct relationship you know, with their fans um, and move to a direct-to-consumer model uh, with these beacons of hospitality. You know, and that's what St. Charles Restaurant is. Oh, I love it there. It's, yeah. it's awesome. And, and how I got to be with the group. So I actually came on as a uh, consultant in 20, late 2018 to get the St. Charles project on the right footing. And then I got to know them, they got to know me and my background, and I'm not sure who fooled who, but uh, now I'm a partner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we're, uh, we're continuing with that strategy. We're under construction in Oak Brook, so we'll have another altar brewing and kitchen in the Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, 1170 uh, 22nd Street in mm-hmm. Oak Brook. Yeah, when is that expected to open? We're, we're hoping for December. Yeah. Know, there's there's a lot of pressures in this environment, uh, you know, that are, I don't want to say working against us, but uh, I think we're ahead of most of the supply chain stuff, uh, all the critical path stuff. I think we've got our, our arms wrapped around. So, yeah, we're driving towards a, a mid-December opening, uh, which hiring and training in this environment over the holidays uh, doesn't sound like a lot of fun, and it will It'll be hard to find some great people, but we'll we'll do it. Is that going to be like the St. Charles location where it's a kitchen and brewery yeah. and, and house? Now, my question, too, was at St. Charles, obviously, there's the brew. So they brew the beer just for that location? Yeah, so Downers Grove beer, you know, anything that you see at a liquor store or grocery store from Alter comes out of Downers Grove. That's where the, the canning facility is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, St. Charles is a much smaller scale uh, brew house, mm. and we really use that as our innovation brewery, you know, and spread our wings a little bit. You know, if you do make a mistake, you're doing it on a smaller scale as opposed to the larger scale in Downers Grove. It's true. It's true. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, 60, 70% of the beer in St. Charles does come from Downers. However, uh, a lot of the esoteric fun stuff that you see uh, in St. Charles is brewed there. Yeah, I've, I've been there one time, and they had a barrel aged bourbon barrel aged something or other mm-hmm. super dark beer it was delicious mm-hmm. but I was wondering why I've never seen that in a can at a store before and that's because that was probably a creation yeah. a St. Charles creation if you would yeah and, and like I said earlier you know just the the, the vastness of, of the landscape of craft beer today you know liquor store and grocery store shelves haven't expanded at the same rate that breweries have grown you know so true. distributors look at a us as suppliers and say, you know, give me your top priorities, and that's what I can, you know, help get on the shelf for you. Um, so I, I can't go to the distributor every year and say, I've got 30 SKUs I want you to stuff into uh, into Jewel Osco. It, it just doesn't happen. That segues into my next question. What is uh, what seems to be the most popular uh, beer from Alter? Popular kid. Yeah. Yeah, to this day. Um, extra pale ale, so it's 6.5%. You know, you, you could theoretically classify it as an IPA. Uh, but it doesn't quite have that hot bitterness that an IPA would have, uh, but still IPA aromas. I love Pale Ale's uh, Hopular Kid. has been paying the bills for four, four years now. Yeah. That and, uh, was it Ulterior? Ulterior Motor. Motor. That's the one I go to the yeah. most. Yeah. And Centerline, I think, was also one I've seen quite often places. Yep. Yeah. We call it Centerline our gateway. Yeah. Our gateway beer. We try to get those <laughs> macro Miller Bud drinkers into craft beer. Centerline's a great bridge to do that. Mm. Yeah, that seems like a nice light crusher mm-hmm. beer that you can have watching yeah. a game or something. I tell you, the other one that uh, we're excited about that'll be at retail next year is Alterado. So Matt McCallum, Matt Brewer, yeah. The seasonal prior to Fest beer was Alterado, a Mexican-style lager. 
um, and that went over really, really well. Uh, so we're actually going to can that up and, and make it year-round next year. I saw the the labels on, uh, on the website. There are already mm -hmm. pictures of it, and that, that looked – can't wait to try that. Yeah. we still got uh, – there's still some Alterado in cans in Downers Grove. It's, it's hanging around a little bit. We brewed a ton of it. So. Speaking of cans. Yeah. I've noticed uh, you have some cans that have the wrap, mm -hmm. and then some of them I've seen that are, that are printed. Mm-hmm. What is what's the is that a, a, a cost a preference a a just a kind of all randomness of the, all, all of the above really yeah. it, and it's it starts with cost you know at our scale to print cans traditionally uh, you know you needed to order a quarter of a million cans in that print uh, so your your seasonal small batch stuff at our scale we, you know we just don't go through that much beer it's true um, but in the last handful of years there's been some innovation on the printing of cans and a lot of it's done digitally now mm -hmm. which actually allows your entry point into printed cans to be at a much less quantity um, and next year uh, our intention is to do away with labels altogether and, and stick with printed cans wow yeah which is uh, makes the brew team happy because the labeler can be finicky but I'm also <laughs> in my head I think of inventory immediately and I think of if you're labeling in-house, mm -hmm. you can have a bunch of blank cans and, and just wrap them, yeah. but then if you get them printed, you need to have pallets and pallets of stored, empty, printed cans. Yeah. yeah. So that's, I'm sure that's an undertaken. Yeah. Well, we've got a guy by the name of Dustin Clay, who's our logistics manager, who <laughs> does an awesome job at uh, managing all of that. Um, but it's the same thing with labels. You know, yeah, if you get the bright cans that aren't printed, you still got to manage the labels. Uh, true. So it's, it's uh, a lot of moving parts to a brewery that you know, when you're shopping at the shelf, uh, there's a lot of people, a lot of thought, uh, a lot of love and passion that goes into each one of those cans, regardless of the brewery that it yeah. is represented on the label. The, the water that you use, is that something that you, you, you have a system, uh, like a reverse osmosis? I know some folks, some breweries use something like that or some. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, you know, I'm not the scientist in the brewery by any means, but um, Downers Grove is Lake Michigan water. Um, and once we get it, you know, we've got an extensive filtering system. Uh, it's it's carbon filtered, you know, mainly. But you know, Lake Michigan water is great to brew with. You know, you don't have to treat it that uh, you know, that intently. St. Charles, on the other hand, is a, a different water source. Um, so that's you know, we get a, a dealkaliner. I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> Dealkalizer, that might be it. Anyway, um, we treat St. Charles water uh, much more vigorously than we do in Downers Grove. You know, and ultimately, what you're trying to do. The good news is we don't have to flavor match. You know, Fest beer is a brewed in Downers Grove and St. Charles. Yeah. Uh, if we did have to flavor match, same beer across different venues, uh, that would be really, really challenging uh, with our system. Um, but yeah, the St. Charles water is, is difficult to brew with, and you know we've got shoot quarter million dollars in filtration equipment wow. to get that water ready. To oh, go. I bet. Yeah. Wow. So, <clears throat> how many year-round beers? Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about Centerline, uh, Ulterior Motive, Popular Kid. Um, how many year year-round? And mm -hmm. I know that you do some limited. You know, the the fest beer, the 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 coming out with the Alterado. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so our program, you know, this year included five year-round beers. Uh, so we've mentioned a handful of them. Ulterior Motive, uh, just a traditional IPA that's, that's again, my go-to beer. 
uh, popular kid, pale ale, um, centerline, which we talked about, the gateway beer. Then we've got uh, heavy squeeze, which is a lemon wheat ale. Okay. Um, that really does great this time of year uh, in the warmer months. Yeah. It slows down a little bit in the winter. Um, and then the fifth one is ambigram. Oh, that's our, right. Our I hazy. had that. Yeah, our hazy. So funny story, you know, Alter up until about two, three years ago, um, you know, Mark is, is a super smart guy, but can be a little stubborn at times. And he was a traditionalist, you know, and traditionally hazy beers, you know, was an undesired effect of a poor brewing practice. So he said, I'll make a hazy beer. And this is back, I don't know, 2017, 18. I'll make a hazy beer when hell freezes over. And, you know, the market just got to a point. It's like, Mark, you, you got to give me a hazy, man. He's like, I know, I'll do it. Um, so our first hazy beer was Hell Hazed Over. Okay. Yeah. And he did it his way. It was big, you know, 8.1%. Um, I mean, it was uh, it was a big, aggressive, hazy beer. Yeah. Um, and then Ambigram is uh, replaced Hell Hazed Over. We needed just something that didn't pack as much of a punch uh, and really brightened up the Citra and the Mosaic, you know, the, the flavor profiles uh, from those hops that, people really want to see in a hazy. Um, so Ambergram just had a phenomenal year, you know, the first year as it's a, a year-long offering at retail for us. And then we've got the seasonal line. Yeah. You know, and that uh, right now is Fest Beer. We'll transition to Sweta Weta, a 7% oatmeal stout. What is that? Sweta Weta. <laughs> so an homage to our friends in the north, uh, yeah. northeast, right? But, um, yeah, that's a uh, 7% oatmeal stout. Uh, that's just awesome. Wow, okay. Um, and then Matt's got some some fun tricks. Matt McCallum, the head brewery, he's got some fun tricks up his sleeve uh, that came from the innovation side in St. Charles uh, for our seasonal line next year. So I won't, we're not 100% sold on it yet, but he's he's got a style that uh, I don't know that the market has ever seen before. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm being super cryptic, too. But Yeah, yeah, no. But yeah. it's at the St. Charles location. If it when it's created, that's essentially like the laboratory if you would yeah it's been created okay we like it and matt uh he thinks he's got it ready for uh for the major leagues so we'll see that in march oh i can't wait march uh i'll give you a little hint it's uh kind of like a silk lager you know so the hazy's a trend right ipas are starting to come back a little bit but i also think lagers are doing really really well right now yeah you know so and that being where a lot of matt's passion lies he uh it's like, you know, how do we innovate around the lager idea, you know, and take some of these characteristics of a hazy uh, that people also gravitate towards and, and try to combine them. So he's uh, he's titling this style a silk lager. Interesting. Yeah, so it'll, it'll have that bright crispness of the lager, but, uh, you know, some with the lagering yeast. Um, and then a little bit smoother mouthfeel like you get with a hazy. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm, we'll see. I, I like lager. I've... I've definitely lean more towards a, a lager and a pale ale you know i was on the ipa train for a while but i i'm coming back yep to the, the, the lagers the pale ales the the more i guess mild if you would yep um especially i was an east coaster for most of my beginning of my life and so you know when you go to pennsylvania and you go to a bar you don't have to say what type of lager you want you just say lager mm-hmm. and they hand you a yingling it is just yep. you, that's it, and uh, so I'm, I remember going over to PA and just drinking lagers or drinking, you know. Um, so that that. You ever been to uh, McSorley's in New York? No. So 
McSorley's is one of the oldest liquor licenses in New York. You know, I think it's got a three on it or something like that. Um, it's, been around, it's been around since before Prohibition, but they've got two kinds of beers, light and dark. Fair enough. Which, which would you like? Yep. Um, you got to order two at a time, and if you're not drinking, they ask you to leave. And they got to line out the door with people waiting to come in. But yeah, they got a, you know, yeah. light, a light lager and a dark lager. Um, oldest style in the world. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, the logo. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. I was just talking about this today at the farmer's market with uh, actually Jonah, who uh, works for Gindo. And, yeah. Um, we were just going back and forth on how, what a marketing dream this thing was. I, I was introduced to it. Uh, I was at the beer fest in St. Charles a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. We're trying different beers and going different tents and all that. And uh, Everyone's giving out stickers and stuff. And uh, the lady behind the counter, she gave us the beer, and she's like, here, would you like a sticker? I'm like, yeah, cool, thanks. And as she's handing it to me, she turned it upside down, and, like, my mind was blown. I was like, "Yep, phenomenal marketing. Uh, can you tell me where that logo came from yeah. and who was the mastermind behind that? Yeah, so it's, uh, so that's an ambigram, right, something that reads right side up the same as it does upside down. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave out some names here to protect uh, the parties involved. We hired an agency, okay, and uh, they charged us a lot of money for that logo, and we loved it. it thought That's it was phenomenal. awesome. Yeah, worth every penny. Went to trademark it. Uh, turns out that there's a website that generates ambigrams. You type in a word, and it'll generate an ambigram. Hmm. Somebody at this agency found that website, <laughs> and that's what they gave us. Uh, so getting some lawyers involved and understanding, you know, so, but that website that generated the logo owned it. Yeah. Yeah. So Bad. we, you know, the agency was telling us we owned it. We didn't. Um, long story short, it was, uh, it was generated through an ambigram generation piece of software. Uh, got in touch with the software developer, bought the rights, you know, for it. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It is a marketer's dream. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know that we're fully utilizing it yet, but uh, yeah. it's a lot of fun to play with. We got a sign that, that uh, turns yep. the sign that yeah, that, like a yeah, rotating clock. Yeah, it's on the west side of our uh, our, our brew pub in uh, St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's a lot of fun. We get confused by it every day. Something comes off the printer, and you know you're looking at it, it's upside down. It's not upside down. It's just my mind playing tricks on me again. So it's uh, you it, put it on upside down again, Frank. That's right. Nope, yeah. it's right side up. Yeah, right. That's funny, um, but that's uh, that's the name Ambergram uh, yeah. or Hazy IPA. That's where that came from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to this beer real quick. This is just yummy. I it, love it. It is. And now that it's warming it up, are you getting some of that toffee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm. it's a it's a Saturday afternoon. It's past noon. Yeah. So, you know, we got a six-pack here. If we, if we get through three apiece, that's not the worst thing that could ever happen to us. No, no. <laughs> so it's a perfect start to the day. That's right. Um, so you've done a couple of hot sauce and beer collaborations with our friend Gindo. Yep. Who was on our episode. Uh, he was our last heard episode. heard that, yeah. Um, great guys a, over there. Had a great yeah. time. What a great Episode company. went into extra innings. We just kind of sat there and had a good time. Yeah. Um, are there any other upcoming collaborations with him currently in the works? So we've got two hot sauces that they make for us. One is uh, ulterior motive, or made with ulterior motive, and the other one is made with Hopular Kid, uh, the pale ale. Um, you know, one is more of a you know a red habanero 
type mm -hmm. of kick, and the other is uh, a green hot sauce, um, which is really, really delicious. Yeah. Um, I mean, had, everything from Gindo is yeah. just a flavor bomb. Uh, they sell great for us. People love them. Uh, you know, they're on tables at our restaurants. And uh, at this point, if it's not broke, we're not going to fix it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got a couple different flavor profiles there that are available, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Maybe as new beers get developed, we'll, we'll innovate and introduce a third hot sauce or maybe tweak a recipe. But, uh, yeah, at this point, we're super happy with it. Um, and I just love working with those guys. They're, they're I'm sure it works great. out with the kitchen, too, because with having the kitchen at St. Charles, yeah. you can introduce that collaboration as people are ordering flatbreads and things like that. You can have that on a table, and people are like, oh, wow, like very, very good complement to each other. Um, the, those sauces are just phenomenal. Yeah. And I just learned this morning uh, from you. He lives down the street, right? And he's a Batavia guy? Yeah, he's Batavian. He's Batavian. He's a, a couple blocks north. I think it's north. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. Um, good friend of ours. Uh, and I, as you see on the table, I'm, I'm, I gave you the Cigar Social Podcast yeah. hot sauce from Gindo. I'm going to use this tonight. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. Uh, ingredients. Yep. Do, you, do you guys source locally? Do you guys outsource? On the beer or food or both? I can talk to both, I guess. Sure. Um, it's harder on the beer side. Um, and, and we would love to work, you know, with as many local producers as we can. Um, cost is certainly a component that you got to consider. Uh, but most of the malt that we use, you know, outside of the specialty malt, you know, this Vienna malt came from Germany. But uh, most of it's coming from Minnesota, you know, kind of the northern plains. Uh, we got a, a great relationship up there. Um, that's where most of our malt comes from. On the hop side, you know, there's some local farmers in Michigan uh, that we're using, uh, but predominantly our hops are coming from Yakima Valley, you know, in the northwest. Uh, but on the culinary side of our operation, yeah, I mean, we work with uh, Reams. Yeah. They're, man, I could spend all day in their store. Yeah, out, yeah. <laughs> Elbert, Folks, if you're yeah. not familiar with Reams and Elbert, yep. it, you get the meat sweats as soon as you walk in. Yep. It is uh, the, like, the, the best butcher shop, and they, they sell beer there. They sell wine. They mm -hmm. have other ingredients as well. I personally love going and getting a couple of ribeyes and then a jar of their, uh, their jerky dip. Yep. Uh, just outstanding. Yep. Uh, that place is, yeah. It's I, I, we try to make it out there. I mean, it's not right down the street from here. Yep. But it, it's worth a trip it's once a week drive. or once every other biweekly to just stock up. Yep. Yeah. So we love working with them. Uh, certainly down the produce side, there's a lot of farmers locally that uh, we source some stuff through. But um, it, you know, it's the cost pressures in this business today are just stronger uh, and. and they're monsters. I mean, they got claws and teeth, and yeah. <laughs> um, you know, just to keep things as affordable as we can for our guests. Uh, you know, sometimes you you got to source away from from the local players, uh, you know, just to make it affordable. I think that's fair. I mean, you, you can't expect, especially uh, you know, in the industry, to to try to capture some of the flavors that you're you're pulling with your with your beer, it, unless you have acres and acres of, of farms in this area but then again that might not even do it because certain climates grow mm -hmm. in different different ways yeah hops are tough in this climate yeah you got to get a little further north um, but there's some great hops coming out of michigan yeah um 
the flip side of that is with a lot of the local producers, they're you know they don't have a gigantic fuel upcharge because they don't have to transport their stuff across the country um, or overseas for that matter. Um, so there can be cost advantages working local too, and we see some of that on the produce side of the of the restaurant. So on the topic of ingredients, I'm going to throw a question at you. Mm. What would be your Mount Rushmore of hops? Okay. A um, couple different ways to tackle it. Certainly in a hazy IPA world, anything with Citra or Mosaic. You know, I mean, those two hops in particular right now are, are just dominating the hazy landscape. Um, me personally, in going back to my stone days, we made a beer, I think it was the 18th anniversary beer that Stone came out with. It was called Thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. And it was all Southern Hemisphere hops. Oh. Uh, so particularly, I think, New Zealand and Australia. Um, Vic Secret, Galaxy, just big, big passion fruit, you know, juicy types of hops. Um, and ever since that beer was made, man, if I see something with Galaxy and Vic Secret in it, Okay. I try to pick it up. I have to keep my eye out for that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mentioned Matt's preferences. Uh, he loves those earthy, spicy, you know, traditional German hops. You know, the nobles of the world, hollow tower of the okay. world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's this Mount Rushmore you wanted for, right? So, yeah, Citro Mosaic, Big Secret, Galaxy for me. Okay. And then our head brewer, who also appreciates them, uh, he likes to play with the German stuff. <laughs> yeah. How about yeah. you? I, I am not savvy in the hop mm. world. I am a, uh, I, I love beer. If you ask me, you know, more of a, a whiskey, bourbon type of, that, that's my wheelhouse, but mm -hmm. I, I, I couldn't even name yeah. a hop. Yeah. Well, I tell you, one of, the, one of the reasons hops are so, or beers are so expensive is, you know, a lot of the aromatic, particularly in hazies that you're getting, and in, in IPAs also, uh, because it's so vibrant and strong, is just the volume of hops that you're actually utilizing. And, uh, you know, now that IPAs and, and then hazy IPAs have become so prevalent, you know, the hop demand is higher than it's ever been. It's leveled off probably two years ago is when it reached its peak. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you're, you were paying 2x, 3x in some cases for some hops that yeah, otherwise would have been a few years earlier. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I tell you what, my, my experience at Stone, if you don't learn to appreciate hops working at Stone Brewery, uh, you didn't pay attention. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of, of Stone. Uh, actually, for a, a, a little while recently, I went on a, uh, a gluten-free diet mm -hmm. just to, to try it out. And their, their delicious IPA Yep, it's gluten free. Yep. Uh, does Alter make a, a, a gluten free product yet? So there's a difference between gluten free and gluten reduced. Okay. Okay. Um, and and I was with Snow when they launched Delicious, and it's really you know parts per million. Technically, to be gluten free, you have to have zero. Um, and the only way to get to zero is is to really start without gluten. But uh, there is an enzyme. Uh, it's a clearing agent. And I, that's what they used in Delicious. Uh, Two Brothers Prairie Path yep. uses the same enzyme. Um, but it gets in there and it gobbles up all this protein as a clearing agent for the beer. Um, mm. And also, 
happens to reduce the gluten down to underneath you know 10 parts per million or something like that so um, from an FDA perspective saying something is gluten-free is, is a pretty technical term yeah um, most of what you see out there that's gluten reduced is underneath you know 10 parts per million um, unless you have a severe celiac allergy that's it's about as gluten-free as you're gonna get if you're making a dietary choice that'd be fine yeah yeah um, yeah, delicious. Man, you're bringing back memories now. I think that was about 2015, 2016 when that beer came out. It's yummy. Yeah. It, it really is. I, I, <clears throat> I, you know, we were at the, the liquor store. We're actually at the, the Woodman's in North Aurora, and we're going up and down the shelves, and I got my phone open, and I'm looking up gluten-free beer, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm looking at gluten-free beers. And then I'm like, Stone Delicious. That's all right. Yep. It's old. Yeah. That's no, a great lemon IPA. Uh, got one of the hops in that. Lemon drop in El Dorado. Their training's good. I it, remembered it seven seven years later. <laughs> <laughs> so you were talking about pricing. Actually, you mm -hmm. know what? I'm going to crack open another Fest beer real quick. I'll join you. You're going to join me. That is yummy. 5.7%. Yep. Brewed and canned. Alter Brewing, Downers Grove. Uh, and uh, folks, check them out at www.alterbrewing.com. I always say www. I, don't, I, I think we can drop that. I think now. we can drop that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Fair enough. We're dropping it. It's official. That's all right. I, I still put two spaces after a period when I type, and I get all the all the habits of uh, technology that someone approaching fifty has. <laughs> <laughs> my dad. My dad signs all his emails HTD High Tech Dad. <laughs> so he's, he's trying to keep up. I give him credit. Yeah, we're, I was on a, a conference call the other day taking notes, and I was sharing my screen. And every other word, you get that little red squiggly line underneath your, your you know, your misspelled word. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, man, if it wasn't for this little red squiggly line, I'd be in trouble. Because mm -hmm. you don't realize how much you, you, especially if you're just quickly taking notes, and people are watching, and you're like, what did you just type? And mm -hmm. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> I'll correct it, mm -hmm. or I won't correct it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Copy editing is uh, never been and never will be a, a career path for me. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible at it. So I did read somewhere that you were. Uh, well, I can't remember the terminology they use, but you're you're you play well in golf, <laughs> but you dabble in guitar. Um. Tell us, tell me about your golf. Do you, do you get out and play often? Uh, yeah, I'm a once a week, once every couple weeks. Yeah. Where's your places uh, to play? You know, uh, living in Glen Ellen, Village Links is one of the best municipal courses you know I've ever been on. Uh, so I'm I'm there quite a bit. Uh, Saturday mornings, actually got invited last night to play uh, this morning uh, that I passed on uh, for for good reason to be here with you. Wow. Yeah. You gave uh, up a tea time for me. I gave up a tea time for for uh, wow. for this pursuit. Well, I'm honored. Um, yeah, you know it's it's. I just I just love it. I often tell my wife, you know, we go out, group of guys, yeah. whatever it is, and I come home and she says, you know, well, how's Matt doing? I'm like, I think he's doing great. And she's like, you were with him for five hours. How do you know not know how he's doing? <laughs> Never came up. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's just a, a stress-free environment that... Uh, we were scrambling. I was on one side of the fairway. He was on the other side. Yeah, there's a lot of Army golf getting played with us, for sure. <laughs> um, 
yeah, you know, my dad introduced me to it uh, at an early age. Never had a lesson, so developed some pretty uh, evil mm-hmm. habits. Um, now I've got some scarred tissue that I fight uh, with my swing, but you know, I'm generally shooting the low to mid 80s. Oh, that's yeah. I, I, but 95 I, is always creeps in every every month or so. Or so anything in double digits <laughs> is is a good good day on the golf course. Yeah. And if you start if you tip over 100, you, yeah, you you should go back out there and hit the range a little bit. Yeah, I, I tell you, anybody who's, who might be listening that's a golf fan. If you have the opportunity to go to Ireland or Scotland to play, do it. Uh, and do it while you're still able. So we just got back around a buddy of mine's 50th birthday. Uh, we originally planned this trip to Ireland in 2019 for 2020. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were able to do it this summer. Went in June. Uh, just eight days, 12 guys, eight rounds of golf. That's uh, awesome. Some of the most beautiful golf courses in the world. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's, that's the homeland, right? Yep. That's the birthplace of... Yeah. Of a lot of of the the, the golf now, I I traveled for a good ten years uh, with my previous employment. Uh, I was an IT guy for sporting events, and we did every PGA Tour event, we did USGA events, PGA Championships, blah blah, blah and we did other sporting events too. Pretty much anything that didn't happen at a stadium, that didn't have an infrastructure, mm-hmm. you know, marathons, bike races. We did the the Super Bowl experience things and high density Wi-Fi and all that, but. Being on some of those golf courses, I mean, Ireland, yeah, that's that's next level uh, experiences. But there are some places in the U.S. that you can go to that you can just check it off your bucket list if yeah. you would. You know, I mean, one of the places that I was at 2012, we did the Ryder Cup mm-hmm. over here in Medina. Mm-hmm. Beautiful golf course. Um, we did one, uh, the BMW Championship at Conway Farms. Again, that's Illinois. That was. Again, a great golf course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's interesting. I haven't been able to to get a tee time uh, really anytime. I can't remember the last time I swung a club. Yeah. Actually, no, I swing them out here in the backyard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I have a little chipping competition that I play with myself, and uh, that thing that I heard that didn't come out right. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's one of the, it's a, it's nice. Uh, there's a lot of jokes there. I'm not going to touch. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> Uh, you, you talked about pricing with the yeah. the hops. Mm-hmm. So, uh, has the the pandemic, uh, or even just recent price increases, uh, affected your your operation at all? Oh God, yeah. Um, in a traditional environment, you're probably looking at your cost inputs maybe every six months or so. Um, we look at them weekly, you know, to try to understand the volatility. Uh, I hate QR code menus as a consumer, but mm-hmm. the reality is is that there's so much price fluctuation on the particularly on the food side of our business that we would be reprinting menus potentially on a weekly or by weekly basis. I can see that you know, with the being much easier from an operation standpoint to go in there and, just and set it, pretty much the set the mainframe code. and then the QR code automatically updates. I'd never even thought of that. Yeah, and and I think that's you know as you know COVID. You know, hopefully it stays in the rearview mirror to mm-hmm. to whatever degree it will. Um, I think the reason QR menus will stay, uh, and it, it's much less about a touchless experience for the guests, uh, and much more about just controlling costs. You know, and, and just being able to pull stuff off of a menu. You know, if, if the pricing gets too high, you know, at some point you can't charge thirty-two dollars for you know a prime burger. 
Yeah, I mean, we have a, a, a place we around can. the corner that we go to, the gaming coach house. Yeah. And I, I believe they have a couple of altars on tap, too. Mm -hmm. But their beer list, if you get there midday or towards the end of the day or even towards the end of the week, <clears throat> they have little stamps over the beers, like, you know, not not available or they use a all gone or something, you know, something clever. But yep. I can't imagine being in that position to be like, all right, let's print out a whole bunch of new menus on like a weekly basis, especially if you're got a, a revolving tap going or yeah. changing menu. So, uh, you know, you mentioned printed versus labeled cans. Yeah. Um, aluminum cans a year or a year and a half ago were 2x what they cost today and what they have traditionally cost. And you think about it, when COVID had hit in 2020, all that consumption switched to, you know, soda consumption, um, beer consumption, you know, nothing was coming out of a fountain. Your Coke wasn't coming out of a fountain machine. It was getting sold to you at a grocery store. Yeah. So, you know, aluminum cans just became in such high demand. Um, and it wasn't because of, you know, the metal of aluminum being available. They just couldn't manufacture cans fast enough. Mm -hmm. um, and there are countless examples over the last couple of years wow. you know, just like that. Um, it's it's been the longest if, if you've been in hospitality or you know consumer goods to any degree and, and everybody's every industry has been impacted one way or another uh, it's at least in hospitality it's been the longest two and a half years I've ever <laughs> I've ever had in my career oh I bet yeah I didn't even think of the high demand for like I mean I guess you would consider it consumables right because mm -hmm. it's a, a one use I mean you can recycle them right which most people should but yeah, um, and where do where do you do you have a, a somewhere local that you get your cans from, or is that? So we uh, traditionally had been in contracts for our cans, you know, x amount of quantity, you know, for a certain term, and then last year when demand was really at its highest and prices were at its highest, uh, you know, we were locked into a contract at a pretty good rate, renewing that contract. Um, we we felt and kind of read the tea leaves that production of aluminum cans uh, had caught up. Um, consumer behavior was shifting back to somewhat normal uh, yeah. behavior. Um, and anyway, I, I felt that we were going to, there was going to be a market for aluminum cans uh, that would be more advantageous than the contract that was in front of me. Uh, and I'm not often right, but on that one I was. Uh, so now you can you can get aluminum cans, you know, at what they used to cost uh, from a number of different uh, suppliers. So we're we're in good shape there. Um, we're kind of on the open market without a contract right now, uh, just sourcing the best price when we need them. Um, I think as we get into next year, we'll probably get back under a contract as things have stabilized. But yeah, um, but yeah, there's there's tons of suppliers out there. You know, the the big ones, Crown and Ball. You know, Ball is probably the worldwide leader. Um, I might have, mis might have misspoke there, but if they're not, they're pretty darn close. Uh, I've noticed your, <clears throat> your I, I, when I go to my local breweries and even Alter, I'll, I'll pick up a growler. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed your growlers have a unique look to them. I, I mean, I, I refer to them as like the hand grenade. They look like a hand grenade. Like they're they're more rounded out. They're, they, yeah. they don't look like your traditional jug, if yeah. you would. Kind of looks like remember, uh, the coyote and the roadrunner cartoon yeah. kind of looks like that fake bomb <laughs> that the coyote the would have the acne factory an acne bomb yeah you know everybody's got the jug look mm -hmm. um, so we've just tried to find something unique uh, we get those from Grandstand 
a uh, merch manufacturer and supplier out of uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, super um, cool looking. I, I caught my eye too when I walked in. I'm like, oh wow, that's very. Do you guys make the the howlers too, the the smaller ones, or or is it just just growler size? Just well, we got the crawlers. Crawlers. Yes, that's a thirty two ounce okay. can. You know that will seam, will fill and seam for you on premise. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's a great way to get a lot of the isoteric stuff that we don't can. You know, and that's really the idea behind it. We've got a growler club that you yep. know, we probably have a couple hundred people uh, participating in. Um, it's a great program, in um, in. You know, if you really like our stuff and you want to get the stuff that we don't put in cans, that's the only way you can get it. Uh, unless you're going to sit down at the restaurant, which we certainly welcome as well. But um, yeah, two great formats, you know, for all craft breweries. Mm -hmm. Really, just to to get that isoteric stuff into a package that people can take home. And then it, can folks bring their growler back to the location? Oh, that's what we prefer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so part of the membership is the growler, um, and even if you've got a you know a growler. From another brewery, you know, it's not important to me the name on the uh, uh, on the vessel. It's what's important to me is the true. the beer inside it. So, um, yeah, we'll fill up whatever you bring in. So, if you were going to go, and it's going to segue into the next question, if you were going to go to to Alter, which I'm sure you go often, I do. What's your go-to beer? What is your 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 favorite child, if you would? Most times, if you see me uh, consuming at Alter, I'll have an ulterior motive. Uh, that's just right now my preference for IPAs. But also depends on my mood. You know, when Fest beer came out, love this beer, love this style. Oh, it's a, it's phenomenal. I like I said, I'm a big fan of the Oktoberfest, and this just falls right in line with why I've been so excited for the last half of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I couldn't get this out of my hand for the first few weeks that it was out. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, you know enough to appreciate what the brewers are trying to do with each style, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, so I certainly try everything that comes uh, out of the production facility, but uh, I'm still an IPA guy. Ulterior yeah. motive. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you you go with the traditional IPA. You don't go with a hazy IPA. No, I'm, I'm a I'm a traditionalist in that sense. Yeah. Or uh, what they call it, West Coast, right? That, West Coast IPA is the hazy one per se. Well, the the hazies are more New England. Okay, right? that's where that style actually was originated. Um, a West Coast IPA is more indicative of a uh, a less prominent hop bill or sorry malt bill. Okay, um, and really featuring the hops. You know, so you they're often referred to as being too bitter. Uh, I don't think so. I think they're really well balanced. Uh, but what they're trying to achieve there is really showcasing you know that hop profile on the bittering. Uh, hop and the, and the dry hop that gives you the aromatic. Um, ulterior motive is a little more Midwest style IPA, uh, so think you know Two Hearted from Bells. From Bells, yeah. You know that that's going to have a little more of that balance, you know, a little more hot, uh, malt character than a West Coast IPA would have, and then yeah, the New England IPA or the hazy IPA, uh, much more sweeter, less bitter, and there's a lot of debate. Uh, should it be called an IPA? Should a hazy IPA actually be called an IPA because it doesn't have that bittering component necessarily? Um, doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you can you can get in all kinds of that arguments with purists about one direction or the other. The reality is, is do you like it? Is it good? Great, drink and it. And that's all that matters. That's <laughs> yeah. all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, one of the one of the challenges for me is I as I come up on fifty are calories. 
yeah, hazy IPAs have a lot of calories. You know, that, that haziness that you see in there is organic material that hasn't been filtered out or, you know, uh, centrifuged out. Um, so there's more calories in it. Mm. Sorry, sorry to burst anyone's hazy bubble there. Yep. But, <laughs> <laughs> but and this this cigar is doing very well. I'm on uh, it. I'm on my entering the last third. So the cigars are broken up into thirds. This is entering. We're both entering the, the last third of it. Uh, getting close to the label, uh, the band. Yeah. So what do you what do you do at the band? When when do you stop? <clears throat> so, uh, I <clears throat> some folks like to take their band off right away. Yep. I the. When you when you smoke your cigar closer to the band, the heat from the cigar actually undoes some of the adhesive. So the people that are taking their bands off right away could potentially sit there and you know damage their wrapper, you know, and, and kink it or or uh, or crack it. I wait to the end. I'll take the band off. <clears throat> I like to you know go maybe a little past the band before you know when it starts to get hot to the fingers. Mm -hmm. That's when I when I, that's when I drop it. But. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll smoke this down probably, you know, another inch, you know, down to like a nub, if they, they call it a nub. Uh, and there's uh, also some folks that you go two routes. They have a little poker, and they'll poke the nub, and they'll, they'll smoke it down to, like, pretty much nothing, and, and probably until their lips burn. Or... So it's a cigar <clears throat> version of a roach clip. Essentially, yes. Yep. That's exactly what... Um, and then there's folks that have a, uh, a pagar, so it's a pipe that fits their ring gauge of their cigar. So when they get down to where they can't hold it anymore, they, they put their cigar in their pipe so they can enjoy all of it yep. until it's nothing, gone. So still haven't gotten a pagar. Anybody out there who wants to send me a pagar, please private message me because I've been looking for one. Um, but it's definitely a cool way because, I mean, think about it. Some of these are expensive. Sure. And so, you know, when you, if the folks who are quit it Right before the the band, I mean that's a couple bucks that you just didn't enjoy, or you know, I, mean, I guess some people are in a hurry, whatever. But if you're if you have the time to sit down and enjoy the entire cigar and enjoy everything you paid for, if yeah. you would. So, so now I'm gonna, I'm going to pepper you with some questions that you probably didn't uh, anticipate me doing, just because this is cigar social. Right? This so is this is. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to educate myself on some of this. So like hops, like you know grapes and wine. You know, regions produce different flavor profiles. I have to imagine cigars are the same. Absolutely. Uh, so you have locations, uh, and everyone talks Cuban, right? That's the first yeah. thing that comes to mind with anybody. Um, Cuba is a natural humidor. Perfect temperature, perfect humidity, perfect every conditions to, to grow tobacco. So that's why they always say that's the best tobacco you can, you can get. Mm-hmm. But after an embargo, a lot of those factories and families had left. They went to Honduras. They went to Nicaragua. They went to uh, Ecuador. <clears throat> and there's actually some tobacco grown in the U.S. Uh, up in Connecticut, mm -hmm. which provides uh, very close to, if not sometimes better, tobacco, depending on the conditions, the years, the harvest, all that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in Nicaragua, for example, they have a lot of volcanic soil. So you might have the same tobacco plant, per se, or same seed in Nicaragua and in Honduras. 
but the Nicaraguan might be a little bolder. It might be a, a little more flavorful just because it was grown in, in different soil. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the location definitely plays a, a huge role in um, the flavors and, and uh, the, the strength, uh, per se. I mean, the top of the plant. Uh, so picture a, a, a Christmas tree. The top of the plant is smaller leaves, but close, it gets more sun. So those are called the lajeta leaves, and that is where you get your strength from. So if somebody wants to make you a powerful blend, just you know punches you in the throat, that is going to be all lajero. Yeah. But then you start getting down, <clears throat> and you have the seco leaves in the middle. That's where you, you know people start making blends with the seco and lajero, and so kind of give you that balance between flavor and strength. And then the bottom is the no, the seco's on the bottom, I believe. I'm sorry. Uh, and then, but either way, it, you have your bigger leaves which are more of your binder <clears throat> and your your wrapper leaf yeah and so on on the cigar you have three parts you have your filler in the middle you have your binder which is like a essentially a, a wrapper leaf that has imperfections in it that doesn't look pretty but it'll hold it together and then you have your wrapper which yep. looks pretty yeah and you get most of your flavor from your wrapper really and so you know just like a beer when you you start blending you start changing different flavor profiles with what flavor is in the the wrapper versus the binder versus the filler so that's why there's so many different variations of cigars out there that uh you can play with and people are always constantly reinventing this it's never uh, a one-stop shop this is what a cigar is because there's so many different variants out there that you can definitely blend and, and and create something of your own if you would Yeah, I mean, I, it makes total sense, right? And it's also the the fermented uh, fermentation and the aging process. Mm-hmm. You know, we're smoking a Maduro, so the Maduro leaf, the wrapper leaf, has been aged much longer than you know a regular. You know, normally, you know, there's different quick. You have a, a quick fermenting drying process, which locks in the chlorophyll of the leaf, and then the leaf actually stays green. Those are called candelas. And that's the opposite of what we're smoking. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a much lighter, brighter flavor profile. This one has been aged much longer, fermented slowly. Uh, the leaves turn brown, and darker, Maduro, uh, and then you get more of a bolder flavor to it. It's not necessarily strength. A, a dark cigar doesn't mean it's going to be heavy or strength, uh, you know, strong. Yeah. But it, it is going to be definitely bolder in flavor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've got a Schwarzbier, which uh, is German for essentially black lager. Yeah, um, and, and same misconception in beer. You know, people see a dark beer and they think it's higher in alcohol or thick or uh, just a big, big intimidating beer. It's not. It doesn't yeah. have to be. I, I always said, don't judge a cigar by its wrapper. Yeah, and I, I think don't it, judge uh, a beer by its color. Yep, yep, hundred percent. So, where do you see Alter in ten years? Oh man, that's that's, that's a great segue. <laughs> that was an abrupt. Shift. That was a, I liked that, it. That's a that's a U-turn. That's right. I liked it. Um, I see us expanding the altar brewing and kitchen. Uh, you know, beacon of brand awareness, hospitality uh, idea. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like to see us in two more locations in Chicagoland. Um, and I think we can get there in you know the next 
two, three, five years. A lot's going to depend on, on the economy. And you is know, Alter outside of Chicago? I mean, it's not. Oh no, okay. today it's not. Um, I would like to see. So we've got kind of this think of it like a hub and spoke model, right? So we've we've got these hospitality experiences, St. Charles, soon to be Oak Brook. And I'd like to get something in the northern burbs. Uh, I'd like to get something back downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, I operated downtown with Bottleneck, you know, for a decade, and uh, I, I still believe in the city and, and you know, think that uh, it'll thrive. I'd like to get back down there, but expanding outside of Chicago or the Chicagoland area um, in an environment where you've got nine thousand craft breweries nationwide <laughs> everywhere, you know, altered won't resonate. Yeah, but our model might. You know, so who's uh, Who's the equivalent of Alter in another geography that has a great reputation, makes great beer, has a strong taproom presence, that can't grow through distribution or retail sales because it's, it's just too saturated, mm-hmm. um, that either wants to get out and sell their business um, or partner with us, and we bring to them our hub-and-spoke hospitality model to help them grow. So, you know, it, just to use a, a made-up hypothetical, Nashville, Tennessee, if there's a Smoky Mountain Brewing uh, that exists that doesn't know how to grow or wants to get out, I could see you know, us buying them or, or partnering with them and, and yeah. building out restaurants under their banner, Smoky Mountain Brewing. Um, I think that's how our company grows outside of our home geography. Yeah, like yeah. you said, there's, there's everywhere's got their hometown beer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and everybody's making great beer. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's not like you're... You, to say that your beer is superior, you know, would be walking into someone else's territory, and, and it's just kind of, yeah. eh, taint, it muddies the water a little bit, or muddies the beer a little bit with, uh, you know, trying to, I mean, I know that there's some beers locally that, we call them local, like, for example, Three Floyds, they're Indiana, mm-hmm. but they, they venture over into the Illinois border, if you yeah. would, but they're not, I can't find it. When I go down to family in Chattanooga, I'm not going to find Three Floyds, we actually have to bring some down there for my dad because he loves yeah. the, the zombie dust. He's a big fan of the zombie dust. So, yeah. And the same thing with uh, Wisconsin. You get the spotted cow. Yeah. You can't get spotted cow on this side of the border. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's nice that everyone's got their own little hometown territory, if you would. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and so there, there was a brew pub called Boom in the late 90s, like 97, 98. Um, and a lot of them that... that that didn't make it, it's because the, you know the caliber of brewer just wasn't there. Yeah. You know, but now that you've got you know these, you know, for lack of a better phrase, coaching trees of brewers. You know, how many brewers has Goose Island spun off in the Chicagoland area? You know, or you know Stone or or, or Ballast Point. You know, in, in Southern California. Yeah. Um, you know, so you you've got these now, you know, new age brewers that came up in craft beer. That you know, everybody's just making really good beer. Yeah, you know, um, that was one of my things I loved about traveling, because I would go to different parts, different locations, and I, when I go to California, I know that I'm going to sit at a bar and I'm going to order an 805 mm-hmm. or Stone or Sierra Nevada. Yep. But then, you know, back then is I also ordered Lagunitas. I didn't know that Lagunitas had a Chicagoland area yep. location. You know, but same same concept that when I travel different parts, I, I would have their beer mm-hmm. and I think that Alter is our beer yeah. in, in, in the Chicagoland area I mean yeah. you can find it at 
your gas station. You can find it at a, a big box store, Benny's or a, a Woodman's. Yeah. And then you can go to their location and uh, and check them out. Yeah. You know, so as far as expansion is concerned, I I, I think that's how you know I see it happening. Um, at the very least, if we stayed in Chicago and added another you know, two or three restaurants, um, that, that'd be a nice, uh, a nice size company that uh, I'd be really proud of. So, I mean, if you order, if you make a couple more locations, like the St. Charles location, yeah. I mean, that is. I, I remember when it was being built, and I was excited, and I walked in, and I ordered, and I had the beer. You see the tanks, you get the food, the service is outstanding. The merch, you guys have phenomenal, I mean, it goes back to the logo, you know, yeah. I have a hat, my, my wife has a, a, a shirt, a, a tank top or whatever, and just great, I don't even want to say marketing, it's more, it's 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 perfect logo, it's it's, it's good m merch, you mm -hmm. know, people are, if you leave the Chicagoland area and go on vacation with your ulterior, or your altar hat, and someone's going to look at it and like, what is that? Because it's just like, it pops, it, it is a visual pop, yep. per se, yeah. Funny story. I was uh, I was in Rome. I, so I got married in 2019, mm. and uh, we got married in April. We did our honeymoon in Italy that the following September, and uh, I was in Rome. Under the shadow of the Colosseum, I'm wearing an altar shirt, and from about 30 yards away, somebody goes, "Hey, altar!" Just happened to be another guy from Downers Grove and <laughs> <laughs> visiting the Colosseum. That day. I was like, "Wait, what?" That was that That's was a cool awesome. moment. That was a really cool moment, but um, yeah, the the logo's great. Um, you know, when I when I train our hospitality staff, you know, I, I often use the phrase: people rarely remember what they had; they rarely remember how much they paid. Yeah, but they always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, that's what we we strive for. Mm -hmm. um, are we perfect? No, nobody is. Um, you know, the the hospitality staff today is is younger and less experienced than it's ever been. Um, so, getting folks to buy into that, uh, you know, is, is a constant yeah. idea. Um, but by and large, we've got phenomenal people that are yeah. you know that are executing for us on a daily basis, and and they do buy in, they do get it, you know, and you know people talk about you know is, is being a server or bartender a real job. Darn right, it's a real job. You make real money, but uh, how many jobs do you have the ability or, or opportunity to make someone's day better at every interaction? Yeah, very few. Um, so if they can buy into those philosophies, and, and most of them do, uh, you can end up creating an experience that you know people want to come back for and, and are loyal to. Um, and that's really what you're talking about. You yeah, know, yeah, the logo's great. And the merch works. You're not embarrassed by it. It looks pretty good. Yeah. But you have an emotional connection with that St. Charles facility. Yeah, I, I can honestly say, and it's not because you're sitting in front of me. Yeah. I've never had an, a bad or even slightly bad. I've always had outstanding experiences when I've gone to your location in St. Charles. And I haven't been to the, the Downers Grove one yet. Yeah. Got to go check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do, thank you. You do tours and stuff. Uh, there too, or nothing formal. Okay, you know it, what's what's cool about Downers Grove is is the production facility is adjacent to the tap room. So other than the canning line, uh, you can see, you know, into the tank farm and, well, that's and the brew kettles. Just like St. Charles, you, you, if you're walking to the bathroom, yeah, it, it's all glass enclosed, all the tanks, so you can see the operation as you're there. You can just watch them yeah. brew. Yeah. 
So we'll, you know, we'll do some events in Downers Grove. We're working with our event planner. You know, part of the experience will be a tour. Um, but as far as daily tours or, you know, it's, it's not something we really program. Will, uh, will Alter be at or be hosting any upcoming events in the near future? Well, Alter Fest. Alter Fest. Alter Fest that? in Downers Grove. Uh, we fence off our parking lot. Uh, you know, about five, 600 people is our capacity there, and, and we generally sell out. And, you know, generally goes from 5 to 10 o'clock or so. And we've got a band and a couple bands this year. Um, but, yeah, cool. it's our annual celebration of, of just living altered is what we living like to altered. say. Yeah, uh, live altered, right? Um, so yeah, just it's a when's that big party going to be? Uh, Saturday, the twenty fifth of September. I might have. Do you have to buy tickets? Uh, you do, but you might know somebody that can get you one. I might be there. Yeah, um, it's just a really cool event. You know, it's just our, our annual party. Okay. Um, that cool. Uh, you know, get to see a lot of regulars and and you know just celebrate the summer that's passed before things start getting cold on us. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which yeah, it's pretty quick here in the Midwest. Yeah, sure <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's uh, like this is our fourth or fifth year running. Mm. Uh, obviously, took it. Yeah, fifth year. Obviously, took a break in 2020, but um, yeah. Other than that, you know, you'll see this at a, a handful of beer festivals across uh, the Chicagoland yeah. area. Um, I don't have my calendar in front of me, so yeah. I'm not sure of some of them. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it really is a an amazing craft beer community. Yeah, you know, I, I actually uh, I sit on the Illinois Craft Brewers Guild board, and uh, you know, when the elections occurred a year ago, you, know, you give a little speech in front of all the members, and and my speech was simply, you know, this is such an amazing community. I owe my livelihood to it. Um, you know, I'm at a point in my career now where, you know, it's time to start giving back to that community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing group of people, you know, that... I've noticed that with with beer, with the cra- the local craft beer, craft brewing uh, community, and uh, even reaching out to some of the cigar folks and some of the local distilleries, that everyone doesn't... Everyone is open arms. Yeah. There's n- not one person that I have encountered so far was just like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that because you had so-and-so on your show. Or yeah. or I'm, I don't want to be as, you know, we're, we're trying to. There's no hostility. There, yeah. Everyone is just, uh, it's community. I think that is the perfect word is a community. Well, I, I think it's born out of respect. Yeah. You know, everybody understands being a small business owner is hard. You know, and uh, the more support that you can get, the better. You know, don't let's not kid ourselves. We all look over our shoulders to see what one another are doing. Uh, you know, that's just human nature. Um, but but by and large, uh, it's a community that's is supportive. Um, shoot, our neighbors, uh, Skeleton Key. Skeleton Key, yeah, I've heard yeah. a lot about them. Yeah, well, they, you know, they their facility was damaged by a tornado. Oh, this is going back a year plus now last summer summer of 21 and you know we did a collaboration with them other folks did a collaboration with them uh, you know, our, our friend Steve from uh, uh, Brother Chimp yeah did a collaboration with them recently yeah um, you know the community as a whole raised a bunch of money to, you know to help them out and you know they had insurance so you know, they, they weren't in jeopardy but every nickel helps in those trying times um, you know, and, and their their breweries, I don't know, five miles from ours. Um, so we certainly, you know, share a similar customer base. But, uh, 
you know, it's 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 a, it's a community where, you know, yeah, we're competitive, but we all respect one another and what we're trying to do and yeah. support one another in that regard. Absolutely. And speaking of events, if you uh, would like to have an event at one of their locations, wedding, reception, birthday party, etc., uh, email them at events at alterbrewing.com. And uh, yeah, I've, gotta, I've seen pictures of some of your, your locations uh, with, with events going on. It, it's beautiful. I, think, I, th I mean, yeah, thank you. My, my wedding is already over, my reception I already had, but I mean, if I were to replan it, it would be, I mean, it was just awesome location. Yeah, I mean, our, our, so we do events in Downers Grove in our barrel room. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just a really versatile, unique setting. Shoot, I was there this morning, um, folks are setting up for a, a wedding and a reception. Uh, for this afternoon and evening, um, so yeah, if, you know, if you if you're of the mindset that you don't want to be in that traditional banquet hall type of, of reception, um, yeah. it's a it's a really cool space, and we do you know corporate events, social events, whatever it might be, you know, anything under 120 people or so is a real comfortable number for us in there. And thanks, yeah. thank you for uh, for mentioning it. No, no, it's, it's not a problem. It was, like I said, I, I saw pictures. I'm like, oh wow, that's really cool cool space that you have there and uh again uh, check out alter at their downers grove location that's uh 2300 wisconsin ave at downers grove illinois or check out my favorite uh, the st charles location um 12 south first street at st charles illinois and coming soon the new location <laughs> 1170 22nd street in oak brook uh, or you can just find them at alterbrewing.com or if you're in the area like I said I, I can go down to my gas station and, and pick up a six pack of alter it's pretty much everywhere around here uh, much. well ish I can't admit that formally because yeah. I, I lose some leverage with my distributors okay no, no that's <laughs> uh, you know the further you get from Downers Grove and St. Charles I would say the harder it is to find uh, but certainly uh, you know Benny's Jewel Osco uh, most of the Marianos. Woodman's does a great job for us. They all do yeah. a great job for us. So, uh, yeah, our distribution is pretty healthy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and what, last thoughts of the of the cigar before we uh, close out here? I'm, I'm not looking forward to it ending. I really enjoyed this. Really yeah. enjoyed it. It, it is a, a, a great cigar. I think my father-in-law even said this is the one, this is the cigar that really opened it up for him. He, he he smoked one of these and he's like I really enjoy he he always stocks up he's got this big cigar room and big humidor or whatever but he's always got these in stock so if you were stranded on a desert island for the rest of your life Ooh. with one cigar obviously you'll have many of them but one brand of cigar what, what what's one that brand one brand yeah hmm wow I would I would probably go with, golly, there's so many different brands. Um, you know what, if I was going to stick with a brand and the, the versatility of having, you know, I would probably go with a, a Romeo and Julieta. Yeah. I think that I've had their 1875, I've had their, their, their lighter ones, I've had their darker ones. Um, I mean, I've never had anything bad from Alec Bradley. Uh, their, the undercrowns are great. See, I mean, I can go on, but... You, Romeo and Julieta might be the 
the one that I would pick if I was stuck. Yeah. And I would be happy every time. Yeah. Yeah. Which reminds me of another question that I had an argument with my friends over in Ireland. If aliens came down to Earth and asked you to play one song that defines rock and roll, what would that song be? And I'll give you mine first, give you some time to think about it. Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. Mm. It's got everything. Yeah, I was thinking Crazy Train. Also good. Yeah. Also Randy Rhodes. Yeah. yeah. Randy Rhodes is, is, is my guitar idol, if mm-hmm. you would. Uh, grew up wanting to be him. I wanted that polka dot flying V guitar. Yeah. Uh, and the, just his sound, it, I mean, resonates. It, it is uh, something that if, if, if I were to introduce rock to my now one-year-old, who just turned one a couple days ago, it would be uh, something from the, the old Ozzy okay. regime with, with yeah. Randy. Because oh, yeah. Randy is, yeah, holds dear to my heart with Randy. Yep. I wore out plenty of tapes <laughs> in the 80s. Listening to Ozzy and Randy for sure. Uh, I think my mom came in and said, you're scaring your sisters. <laughs> <laughs> and he did good stuff with Quiet Riot, but I think that he really became Randy Rhodes yeah. when he started, when you know, Suicide Solution, Crazy Train. Uh, I mean, I even had that, that tribute album where it shows mm-hmm. the outtake, or you can hear the outtakes of him learning the song D. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's just him, like, he, he'll play a little bit. It's like, oop, screwed up. Let's try it, start over. Mm-hmm. And it's just something that me and my buddy Ivan that, that we would listen to over and over again. It was just one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I can't argue with that answer. <laughs> I can't argue with that answer. Uh, I, I like to always add a dude donor myth uh, to the show. Today's don't is don't grind your cigar in the ashtray when you're done. Uh, when you're done smoking, uh, just let the cigar burn out gracefully. Don't grind it and smash it. Uh, cigar, it emits uh, a stale aroma when you start smashing it and twisting it in the ashtray. Uh, because it's handmade and they're humified, uh, it'll burn out within a minute or two. And so uh, I've seen people... You know, sit there and smash it in the ashtray I'm like just, just toss it in there it's gonna be it, it, it won't hurt and it'll go out I mean there's been times where we're doing a podcast and I'm just talking too much and it'll just go out in my hand you know, yeah. it, it, there's no point in smashing it so don't smash your don't smash your cigar um, well as we take the bands off I'm about to take my band off here you've already have I've already done yeah, bands off Actually, I'll save that one for the box memories. Uh, means this episode is down to a nub. Uh, Ken, thanks for for joining. Matt, my pleasure. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time yeah. and also, uh, n- you know, not playing golf this morning <laughs> to be here, uh, folks. Uh, go to any Alter Brewing location. Live Altered. Uh, find Alter wherever you get beer. Check them out at alterbrewing.com. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Until the next time we put smoke in the air, stay safe, stay smoky, stay classy. We'll see you next time here at The Cigar Social.